Previously on the Spielman and Hooley We Tackle Life podcast. Why don't you do everybody a favor? Pack up your family, move to a commune out in, in Utah. Okay? Love and happiness. We what may, happened to the old Bruce Hooley? We may have to. Sometimes. What happened? We may have to. Hit that this, faith thing too hard the thing. at the end. We may have to here's sometime. The, here's the thing with you. This... You've got you completely done a 180. Dude. I like 180. I like oh Ryan my Day, and now you're not allowing me to like Ryan Day's methods. What is wrong with you? You're, you're always soft. on me, like, oh, are you gonna give these coaches a break? So I you're finally soft. find a football coach that I really, really like. <laughs> and you, by the way, your love affair with Jeff Halfley's yeah. got. I mean, what I'm reading, what you're writing, oh my. It, People, am I not all in on Halfley? Oh am I not all God. in on your cinch? Am I not all in on Ryan Day? And now you try to talk me off of Can that. we? Can yeah, what do you think of all that uh, from the uh, Monday edition of Spiel I'm happy. and Hooley? I'm happy that you, you're finally converted and you're back into the family. You're all with in. the program. You're I'm, back I'm with the t- program. Dude, I am totally with the program. <laughs> no, and both those guys have done a great job, but there's still a lot of work to do. So, and obviously, you know, it, from your experience and my experience, we understand the importance of winning this football game, and yes, I believe do. uh, Ryan does, and I'm sure uh, Jeff does. So I can't wait for it. And before we get into that, yes. because it is the most important part of the week, um, are you ready to declare? <laughs> As if I don't know what's coming here. No, I mean, just for this moment in time and so far up to this season, Yes. are you ready to at least give Lamar Jackson that he's doing something that we have not seen in the NFL, and it's fun to watch? Okay, well, your love for Lamar Jackson and everyone's love for Lamar Jackson is leading to not just you texting me while Lamar Jackson's doing what he's doing. I have other people in the NFL texting me now. Are you ready to give in? Okay, I will acknowledge Lamar Jackson is probably going to be the MVP because there's just this tidal wave of support for Lamar Jackson. Um, And I don't think I've ever said he's... Well, yes, I did. I said Russell Wilson was the MVP. Right. Uh, But now it's clear the tsunami of love for... Lamar Jackson is you know, out of control. Is, what if the Browns do to him in the uh, second Ravens-Browns game as they did to him in the first Ravens-Browns game? I, I mean, that's very possible, but I'm just telling Could you. Could that interrupt his momentum no, I, uh, and give it to Russell I think it, a lot of it depends on, I mean, the numbers he's putting up, Bruce, he's going to rush for over 1,200 plus yards. we got five yards. games left, though, so, I mean, it's not, things can change. But he's doing sure. great things. Uh but my main point on Lamar Jackson has been he's not sustainable, and by that I mean right. three, four, five, six years down the road, and I think NFL teams typically adjust. I mean, Lamar Jackson did what he did to whom on so, Monday night? To, what team to did he Rams, do it to? to okay, and last year at this time, what were we talking about well, with the Rams? Oh, Todd Gurley and oh, Sean McVay and look, the Here's future the, of the league and we got to hire every Sean McVay Sean assistant McVay, yeah. and now who's winless a Sean McVay assistant? So would you acknowledge that my I, hesitance to embrace his sustainability is rooted in a long history of the NFL in, figuring guys out? I think we're uh, arguing the same point here. Um, I, 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 My love for Lamar Jackson, Jackson has been is what he's he done this year. I'm not saying that he's the greatest quarterback or is going to go down as all-time great quarterback. I'm just fascinated by what he's been able to do this year. It's just fascinating to watch. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and I, I sent out a tweet. I don't know if you saw the tweet that uh, defensive coordinators are going to be uh, very challenged and very busy 
on trying to figure this guy out. And somebody responded, well, just go do what colleges do with running court. You, that's fine, but the problem is you have Mark Ingram as your running back, yeah. and you have other guys as your running back, and you have NFL-wide receivers as your running back. And if you're forced to play man, Lamar Jackson isn't a um, great thrower of the football, but I think he's an effective thrower. He's been a very effective thrower. Very throw effective thrower of the football. Yeah. And that's the problem that it creates is because you don't have, you know, people say play an eight-man box. Well, you know, they still have a hat for a hat because when you play an eight-man box, you're not counting the quarterback as a possible runner. Yeah, and, that's and the problem Saturday back. for Michigan. Yeah, way. exactly. And, and so, you know, do you play nine-man boxes? I do think that there's so many bright minds out there in the coaching ranks in the NFL that they will find something to slow him down. And I do agree with you uh, that Lamar still, to me, takes unnecessary hits. He's still pretty, and he's getting better as I'm watching. And what little I've watched, I've watched probably a total of two games, just different highlights and plays and here and there. What I've watched, I do think he's becoming uh, uh, more aware of situations where he can't get another yard and, and get down. Like there was a shot he took on his right forearm in the game the other night that I thought he could avoid it, a good hard hit. By Rams defensive back. It's all about coaching. It's all about adjustments. Oh, it's, uh, we've it's hard, seen, man. You've seen Ryan Day and, as the aforementioned yeah. uh, superstar Jeff Hadley, uh, do <laughs> oh, great things with, with with the same defensive players this right. year. Uh, Michigan put up 39 points on this defense last year. They're not going to put up 39 points on this defense this year. So Jim Harbaugh is going to have to coach him up. He's going to have to figure some things out. And... Uh, some interesting things about this rivalry. Uh, Harbaugh will be the first coach in Michigan history to ever go 0-5 out of the gate against Ohio wow. State. It's not the kind of uh, success that he envisioned. I did not know until I read a really good story by Nick Bumgarner of The Athletic on Michigan that Harbaugh has, in his four-plus seasons at Michigan, changed his strength coach, a guy who was with him for a long time in the NFL, he has changed his offensive line coach, Tim Drevno, guy who was with him in the NFL, to Ed Warner, yeah, Ed former Warner. Ohio State offensive line coach. He has changed, obviously, his offensive coordinator from Pep Hamilton, a guy who was with him in the NFL. So I don't think you can say that Harbaugh's failed because he's, you know, unwilling, intractable, won't change. No, he, yeah. I mean, when he's moved on from guys who've been with him for a long time, I think it's fair to say he's trying everything he can, or he's trying new things, to win this game, I don't think he's going to win this game on Saturday. Uh, he's a nine and a half ish, ten ish point right. underdog against Ohio State. But, but the things he's tried, the narrative on Harbaugh was, oh, he's not winning any rivalry game. He's not beating Notre Dame. He's not beating Michigan State. Now he's dominated those two teams this year. I think this hurdle is one he'll eventually get over because, like, eventually you're going to. Although maybe not, <laughs> states really got to roll it, man. But uh, but he's but he's making progress. I just think I agree. The gap is ooh, the gap is big. Now again, I'll say the key for him is as much as we want to talk about spread, as much as we want to talk about Lamar Jackson and Justin Fields and yeah. the changing face of football and all that kind of stuff. This game Saturday, to me, will come down to the age-old, can you run it, can you stop the run? That's, yes, Ohio State can run it, and yes, they can stop the run, and no, Michigan can't. That's what I was going to lead to my next question. Do you yeah. think whether helps or hinders Ohio State or helps or hinders Michigan? The weather? Yeah, if it's bad weather. 
windy, snowy, all that stuff. Um, Weather's well, supposed it, to be bad. I yeah, imagine. it's supposed to be bad. A couple inches of snow. I mean, they're not going to leave the snow on the field, although I, if I were Michigan, I might. Uh, it, it helps Michigan. It won't help them enough. Because here's the thing. The weather is not going to just take away things from Ohio State. It's going to take away things from Michigan. And I would argue it'll take away from Michigan what Michigan really needs. They need to make plays in the passing game. They can't make plays in a running game. Master Teague has is a has more rushing yards than Michigan's leading rusher. Yeah, I, I'm going to agree. I, I was just curious because I was thinking about that, and that, that question was posed to me on Twitter last night. I was talking about the game a little bit, and I, I thought to myself, originally you think, okay, well, bad weather would favor the underdog. Yeah. In, in this game, I think bad weather favors Ohio State because of the ability of Justin Fields to run the ball, J.K. Dobbins to run the football, the play of the offensive line, which has been outstanding this year. I mean, it's as good as an offensive line performance yep. that they've had around yep. in the history of Ohio State as a group, as a unit, uh, consistently all year long. It's been tremendous and fun to watch. They if had like a bad first quarter against Michigan State. That's it. <laughs> I mean, that's, I, it. I, that's why I talk about the consistency yeah. Of this offensive line, and that's for for me, I think has been one of the key differences. I mean, obviously the emergence of Justin Fields, better defense, but the offensive line consistency is, has been at such a high level. And I don't know if Ryan's ever addressed that or not, but I'm sure he will uh, once the season's over and he recaps it. And so Greg Strud was a the Stud Drawdraw. I can't ever say. I just call him Coach Stud since he was a GA when I was at Ohio State. I think he's just done a remarkable. Job, but Careful, you're not too much love for the assistant coaches. I can get you into trouble. On no, this no, no, no. It's not. It's only not that, me. I'm the only yes, one. Yes, because into trouble. you're. You're. Ah. I used to admire your cynicism, young man. <laughs> I oh, used you to, alone, I used to, friend. <laughs> you alone admired it on this podcast among to, our audience. I used to look forward to it every day. <laughs> now you've completely turned. But they've deserved it because they've played at a level. Now there's still a lot of things to do, and. I just get nervous about this game. Maybe it's just my experience. Or, it is. It and is. I just get nervous, and maybe I don't look at it as like you look at it, and I probably should, but this is the one game where my heart sometimes clouds my brain because of, the, quite frankly, the amount of respect that I have for Michigan and the players. And you and I grew up in an era, and then in your playing era, and after your playing era, where it was not uncommon for the underdog to win this game. Uh, that's not been the case. Lately, Ohio State, Jim Tressel, uh, give it up to him. Now, while I'm being the non-cynic, let me give it up to Jim <laughs> Tressel. He's crushed the Michigan. He did, uh, it was a monster when he got there. Now it's, you know, a little hamster. He's cr He crushed it. Here's a an eye-opening stat, which y'all can find on uh, my coverage of Ohio State on si.com backslash college backslash Ohio State. Spiels, how many Big Ten teams have beaten Ohio State as often or more often than Michigan since 2004. How many Big Ten teams? There's 14 teams in the Big Ten. How many teams have beaten Ohio State? How many Ohio teams State? in the Big Ten have beaten So we look at Michigan as, oh, this could go either way. Right. Uh, rivalry. Blah, blah, blah. How many teams in the Big Ten have beaten Ohio State as often oh, or, or more, more often than Michigan since 2004, okay, okay. which was only the third year of the Trestle regime. Well, Michigan State's won, correct? Yep. Uh, 
for some reason, I want to say Wisconsin. Yes. Twice for Wisconsin. Uh, and I Three times that, for Michigan State. And I would say that's it. I would say so 12. Eight. Seven teams have done it. Who? Really? Purdue and Penn. Oh, Iowa. Purdue and Penn State have beaten Ohio State four times. Oh, man. Over a span that Michigan has beaten them once. Yeah. Iowa has beaten Ohio State twice since Michigan beat Ohio State That's once. amazing. Uh, Northwestern beat them in 2004. Michigan did not. Michigan beat them oh. in 20, uh, 2010. I'm sorry. I, I, 2011. I, I'm, 2011. I'm, I'm, I, went, I was just going through the Urban Meyer era. But, <coughs> yeah, yeah I, no, now, now it's all making sense yeah, to me. Yeah. yeah. Um, Iowa's won. Uh, Nebraska beat them out there. Yeah. Uh, in the Luke Fickle year. Uh, so it's it's not a common. And here's the thing. Florida, Clemson, and Texas have beaten Ohio State more often than Michigan has. More often, not as often, more often than Michigan has since 2004. Texas has beaten Ohio State two of three times. Yeah. And Florida and Clemson are 2-0 and against Ohio State. Yeah, one was in the Orange Bowl. One yeah. yeah, and so. Texas beat them in the Fiesta Bowl and beat them here in the stadium. And uh, Florida beat them in the Gator Bowl and beat them, obviously, national in the national chip. title game yeah. with Urban as the head coach. So, you know, when you think about that, it's like, why do we fear Michigan? Well, we fear Michigan because of the mid-'90s, and we fear Michigan because – uh, it's not was not uncommon in your era or my era growing up, or if we're really old, we remember fifty years ago. Uh, I don't I don't remember it, but I know of it because yeah. I heard about it in the seventies and the eighties. So that's why we fear it. I just look at the numbers, I look at the players, I look at the talent, and I just don't see it happening. Because even if it's bad weather, it was horrendous weather up there in two thousand and seven with Beanie Wells. And they just ran Beanie Wells all day. Yeah, they didn't throw the ball much, and Michigan couldn't run it. Well, just I, like I, Michigan can't run it now. I do think if it's a horrible weather game, wind where it's difficult, whatever yeah. causes yep. difficulty in throwing the football, that favors Ohio State. I think the one question that we had about Ohio State was J.K. Dobbins because he's only played a half in most well, of the game. He has fifty-seven second-half carries, and but- he had thirty-six total carries on. Saturday, which I think is great, and it's yeah. just a credit to J.K. for the, the tremendous amount of workload that he was able to handle, and it's a credit to his conditioning and work ethic because i got to tell you, for somebody to carry the ball 36 times mm-hmm. is, very, is, is difficult, and he did not look like he was getting tired to me at all. And, of course, uh, Justin Fields, that's the problem that Michigan has, is that not is that quarterback run game and, and what he can do. So it's uh, – it's a big challenge for Michigan, but again, we're dealing with 18 to 22 year old kids, mm-hmm. and everybody keeps telling them how great they are, and, and they've handled everything perfectly. Like you couldn't ask for a team to handle uh, prosperity better than Ohio State has handled prosperity. But for whatever reason, and I say this every year, and I know I say it every year, that I get something in my gut that's telling me, ah, oh, man, but. I'm watching Indiana and Michigan. I'm watching Shea Patterson dropping dimes, and although he missed a couple, I get it. I see uh, the skilled people that um, Michigan have. I think their offensive line is is more than adequate, and that defensive unit for Michigan was embarrassed. Uh, Don Brown and staff and staff was embarrassed. 
And so that's always a dangerous combination. It is. That, and it's just, it's just an alert. I'm that's not, why people see I, the parallels. I said an eight-point, I, th- I thought an eight-point victory. Yeah. Wouldn't surprise me. It'll be right yeah. in there because the Vegas guys are never wrong. Speaking of young kids and how you never know what's going to happen, your Flash's O-Fun picture-perfect play of the day. Cameron Indoor Stadium last night. It is late in overtime. It is tied up, 83-83. to 83. Stephen F. Austin, a 27-and-a-half-point underdog to number one Duke, is playing defense, not offense. And this is what occurred. Cure Yes, the Lumberjacks with Nathan Bain getting an outlet pass off a steal and a scrum in the lane. He looked at the clock as he crossed half court. He had two and a half seconds. He took it all the way to the rack and laid it in just off his fingertips before the buzzer sounded. It ends a 150-game non-conference Duke home winning streak. First loss at home for Duke against an unranked non-conference opponent. Since February 26, 2000, before Facebook was invented, before Jim Tressel was the head coach at Ohio State, it's the last time Duke lost. Stephen F. Austin was number 263 in the Ken Palm rankings, which would be like Western Carolina beating Alabama yeah. at Alabama. Stephen F. Austin, living in their namesake. Stephen yeah. F. Austin, the real Tell Stephen, me the Stephen F. Austin. F. Austin story. I don't know the Stephen S. Oh, Austin okay. story, but I know he was a battler. I think he was a part of the Alamo. If I'm not I mistaken, I would imagine yeah. so. Yes. So uh, that I mean, that's that's I, when I hear that, that's what triggers. <laughs> that's why you worry. <laughs> that that about triggers that. me. Yes, that triggers me. Flash I do. I want. The, I want the. Go. I'm sorry. That's all right. Flashes of Fun sponsors the uh, Picture Perfect Play of the Day. Flashes of Fun will take your senior pictures, family pictures. Say, oh, we waited too long. Take our Christmas card pictures. Nope, they can work in. They have an appointment on Friday that I know of. So make sure you get to flashesofun.com. Follow them on Instagram. Book it. Save fifty bucks, and you'll save hundreds of thousands on a uh, photography session. You can even get a picture with your pet, picture with your family, senior pictures. Flashesofun.com. Uh, I do want to make make the point, Bruce, and, and I want Ohio State to win so bad because not only because I'm a, a Buckeye and all that, but I just think we're watching something special. And I'm I'm just like I think we're watching something special with Lamar Jackson for at least a year. For a year, yeah, for now. I, that, I that's what I enjoy and love about sports because every year there's somebody in sports that does something incredible or that goes on a special run. And and I do think this Ohio State team can go down in the history as the best Ohio State team ever because the amount of talent, but uh, and and watching these guys play and how good they are and and they're a team and I think the most impressive job that Ryan Day has done mm-hmm. this year is tampering any egos. And Big when time. you hear Chase Young talk or any of these guys talk, it's always about as Bo Schembechler said, the team, the team, the team, the team. Yeah. It's always yeah. about the team and. I think that's one of Ryan Day's most impressive accomplishments, at least for me, and what he's been able to do this year. Yes, uh, no doubt. He's done a great job, and, um, you know, they're favored, solid favorite going into Michigan. And you talk about you like what you see, you're not alone, friend. The college football playoff committee likes what they see. They have moved Ohio State back in front of LSU to the number one spot. And I would assume, since Ohio State is playing number 13 Michigan and number what? eight Minnesota or seven Minnesota, yeah. uh, 
probably going to stay there, I would think, unless, I, I mean, what? I, I suppose they could lose, or they could win. They're going to stay there if they win. But maybe they could play close against these two teams, and maybe LSU houses Georgia, but uh, Ohio State is number one, and we talked before about the importance of being the number one seed going into the playoff uh, because yeah. you, avo- you can presumably avoid Clemson. Yeah, I, that, uh, and I do believe that the committee doesn't want an SEC rematch, in my opinion. Yeah, that, that would take it away. They would If they put Bama four, well, if they put Bama four and LSU is uh, two, then, you know, we'd have Ohio State and Alabama. Yeah. And that would that would solve their problem of an SEC rematch. I, I think we match up really well against the, the, the team that makes me nervous is Clemson more than LSU, although I do think LSU is playing pretty well. And I heard the committee, I was watching some of it last night, and the biggest reason why they put Ohio State number one is they think that Ohio State's defense is better than LSU's defense. Right. So Comple- thank you, Jeff Halfley. Yes, complete team <laughs> and dominant since the start of the season, and they've won every game by double figures, and I don't imagine that that will change any. Uh, so uh, it affords you the opportunity to not only avoid Clemson and presumably LSU if they're 2-3, and three, uh, but you'll get you know Utah, Oklahoma, Alabama. Yeah. Those are the three right now. Uh, but it also affords you first pick of semifinal site. So the semifinal sites are Atlanta mm-hmm. and Phoenix, Glendale. Uh, Doesn't Ohio State have great success in Phoenix usually? Pretty good. I mean, I mean, obviously 06 was out there, right. but they've been pretty dominant out there. So there are people who say, you know, uh, the friends that I talk to in the media think Ohio State would absolutely pick Atlanta. I'm but not if you sure get, about that. If you get Alabama, <laughs> yeah. do you want to get Alabama in Atlanta or do you want to get Alabama in – Phoenix, I mean, Alabama's a fan base like Ohio State's. Maybe it doesn't matter. Do you want to be loyal to your own fan base and say, well, our Ohio people can much more easily drive to Atlanta? That's the last thing that goes into my decision-making process, by the way. Yeah. Well, they will say that's among their top priorities. I don't know that it is among their top priorities. Uh, Where... How would you sort that out? You're in okay, the, you're in the boardroom. You you're question. Ryan Day. You're Gene Smith. You're sitting there. You're trying to figure out where you're going. What would you... I don't want do Alabama that? in Atlanta. I'll take Alabama in Phoenix. I look okay. at our history. What in if Phoenix. it's Utah? You want Utah and Phoenix? No, I bring Utah. Utah I, bring, I bring Utah to Atlanta. Okay, so your probably top priority is who am I playing? Right, who you're playing? And, and would it make yeah. any difference with Oklahoma? I, I'll tell you, my least priority is the fan base, and I'm not saying that to be mean. I just think that the, I don't have to worry about uh, uh, being loyal to a fan base to give myself the best chance and every possible advantage. No, because I'm playing the, the, the real fans do not have access to enough tickets right and it's not like oh they're going to phoenix i'm not going there yeah. <laughs> you know, I know fans go everywhere yeah. and they have tremendous following on the west coast with their california alumni they, they base have a that. well they have a great alumni base as you know in arizona look it's not like every time they've played in arizona they haven't taken over the stadium they do yeah. take over the stadium. i know that you'll be out there visiting your family in arizona yes, I, and that you'll be Carrying Jeff Halfley's headset. Their for top it. priority should be where is it easiest for Bruce to get to the game. <laughs> I think that'll be down the list a bit. Well, I'll tell you, you're moving up their list right now. Uh, should, between I, Ohio I State, be moving up, I don't think I'm moving up Gene's list. Between I think Ohio, I might be moving well, up Ryan's list. The 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 thing about uh, Ohio State football and basketball now they have the Bruce Hooley all in commitment. It's over, man. Holtman's jealous of my uh, <laughs> love for Ryan Day. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I, I, I kind of agree with you. I think it might predicate it on who the opponent is. 
Yeah, I make Utah come to Atlanta. I make Utah come to Atlanta. I'd make LSU go to Phoenix. I wouldn't certainly, if it happened to be LSU for whatever reason. Yeah, they lose to Georgia, drop to four. I certainly wouldn't put LSU in Atlanta. And that's a great fan base, as you know. I mean, that's a great fan base. A lot of corporate tickets out there, and you would assume that the Atlanta business community is hanging on to a lot of those tickets. And if you're going to play an SEC team in Atlanta, um, you're taking. I, I don't think you're putting yourself at a crowd disadvantage, but I think you're taking a risk. Yeah. I look for every edge and every advantage. And, and where, wherever my opponent is least affected by its crowd, that's where I take them. Brian may think, they may think, regardless, where are our players most comfortable? Where have we practiced? Where do we know the facilities? Where, do, I, where is it more routine for us? Well, weren't we on a run of Fiesta Bowls there for a while? Yes, and so I'm thinking, I'm like, like, they've been to Phoenix a lot. Now, I don't know how Ryan looks at this motivationally. The last time they were out there, I think, wasn't it the Clemson game? The 31 to nothing, that's never happening to us again? That's No, this. That, I thought that was down in... Uh, no, that was in Phoenix, for that sure. Wasn't the was, I was there. It was amazing to I watch I thought the it. Notre Dame game with Joey Bosa. The Notre Dame game with Bosa was after the 2015 season, so the playoff was the next year, 2016. So, I mean, Ryan Day could look at that and he could say, uh, bad memories, not going there. Or he could say, hey, I like the mental challenge with our guys. You know what, the last time we were there, guys... Yeah. This happened. Let's show him who we really are. Not that he's trying to prove anything to right. people of Phoenix, but he'd like, I do think the familiarity of they've stayed in the Princess, the Scottsdale Princess. Yeah. They practiced at the, you know, Pinnacle High School. They know the routine. Nothing's new, nothing's unusual. Or, you know, I don't know. Do you say, well, our players know that? Let's take them someplace fresh. The accommodations are great everywhere. The practice facilities are great everywhere. It's just the known versus the unknown. There's a yeah. lot of things to roll around. Where's the national championship game this year? New Orleans. Okay. So if you play, if LSU and Clemson are in the semifinal, um, <laughs> do you want LSU to win that game and get rid of Clemson? Do you want to play LSU in New Orleans? Because they've done that. That'd be and awesome. Was, yeah, that was bad. That was uh, not good. And But again, Ohio State, it wasn't because the fans let them down going there. No. But I will say this. I saw this the other day. Every time in the BCS uh, or, well, have to be the BCS era that the national title game was in the Sugar Bowl, LSU won it. Can I tell you a great story about uh, maybe this was when Ohio State played LSU, uh, Les Miles and Tom Burneman? Yeah, please go ahead. So that's this is when Tom and Charles were doing the Big Ten Network, but they yeah. also did the college football playoff mm-hmm. with uh, with uh, Barry Switzer. So they're getting ready to do a playoff game with LSU, and Tom's looking at his depth charts. Now, he hadn't seen LSU all year, mm-hmm. and they're meeting with Coach Miles. He says to Coach Miles, uh, "Tell me about this Ricky Jean Francoy, or or uh, he was what? He was uh, suspended for? Yeah, this he was season? <laughs> and, and Tom says <laughs> all and, year except for the playoff. And, and Les comes, it's, don't ruin the punchline. Les says, well, that was the season. Ricky Jean's ready for the postseason.'" <laughs> How great is that? Yeah. How great is that? Suspended for the season. <laughs> sure, this is postseason. Postseason. Ricky Jean. I thought he was going to correct his pronunciation. And how, did, how did Les Miles get a southern draw by being from Toledo? Well, how did Ed Orgeron <laughs> go from a you know beach guy to a Cajun guy? 
it's uh, simulate, man. It's, re- it's required when uh, you coach LSU. Si- assimilate into the into the culture, man. I love it. I guess so. Ricky uh, G, that's the postseason. We're ready. <laughs> boy, was Ricky Jean ready. He, he and Glenn Dorsey. Yikes. That was quite a pairing. He's still playing in the league, is he not, Ricky Jean? Yeah, I think so. Oh, he man. was up in uh, – he was in Detroit last count. I don't know. I lose track of these guys. So. By the way, you on Twitter last night trying to help the Lions fans – you know, give them some hope, and <laughs> they, they're coming they, at you saying, ah, you're a homer. Ah. I'm a homer, yeah. I, I just think that Matt Patricia and, and Bob Quinn, uh, they're trying to remake the whole thing. And, and if you're doing a whole remake job, I'm presuming that you have the blessing of the owner. Hey, this could be a three- or four-year venture. I do think, though, substantial improvement needs to be shown. The defense has let them down, and that's, you know, that's Matt's forte. So, But I... I just think two years isn't enough. Hmm. Uh, I mean, if you're going to install some type of program, and I get it's a win-now mentality and all that, I just think two years isn't enough. And, yeah, people are very angry. Very angry. Very angry. Uh, We hope you're not angry when you review our podcast, but we do hope you'll review our podcast. Uh, Go to iTunes and review us. It helps us with sponsors, and it helps us frame our show content to how you like it. Our review of the day comes from the underscore v-i-c-h vict the vict he says bruce and chris do an exceptional job breaking down buckeye football and the broader big 10 and ncaa landscapes also great to hear their views and testimonies re faith keep it up guys god's blessings to you both thank you uh vict thank you very much yes uh by the way speaking of sponsors stover farms custom meats uh will give you a free pound of hamburger for every pound you buy it's certified Angus beef. It's grown on their farm in the uh, Lexington, Mount Gilead era, uh, area. Stover Farms, the name sounds familiar. It's because, yes, Cade Stover, Mr. Football, that's where he grew up, slinging hay bales and uh, doing the hard work on the farm. It's helped him become uh, a Buckeye uh, linebacker, defensive end. You'll be hearing a lot from Cade in future years. And uh, Stover Farms Custom Meats, man, if you haven't heard about it, I uh, got an email a while back from someone who said, I didn't know Stover was at 4000 Presidential Parkway right in my neighborhood. Went, the steaks are phenomenal. The hamburger is uh, also phenomenal. They have poultry and pork, non-GMO, no hormones. Order your Christmas turkeys now from Stover Farms Custom Meats. Those who uh, did for Thanksgiving will be enjoying awesome uh, turkey on Thanksgiving. Stover Farms Custom Meats, 4000 Presidential Parkway in Powell. There's a traffic light at Presidential. You cannot miss it. And mention the Spielman and Hooley discount. you got to mention the Spielman and Hooley discount to get the free pound of hamburger for every uh, pound you buy. So you're going to get it way under market. When you get buy four pounds, get eight pounds, and you'll pay way under market. Stover Farms Custom Meats. Uh, Bengals going back to Andy Dalton. Here is Zach Taylor, Bengals head coach, uh, when asked if the uh, job proved too big for rookie Ryan Finley. Too much for him? I don't think it was ever too much for him. It's We've obviously had our challenges on offense, really regardless of who's playing quarterback. And, you know, it's you can always say it's not fair to you. One of those guys, the times have gotten pulled. And, and you heard my thoughts on you got to give a rookie some time to play. And um, But as I, I really sleep on it and think through it, you know, Andy gives us a great chance to, to go win a game here. And um, Ryan has, has done the things we've asked him to do. It's hard. It's hard to be a rookie quarterback in this league, and he still has a really bright future here. And um, so it's, it's you know, you want to explain to him this isn't – this doesn't change your future with us. It's been a tough stretch. It's going to continue to be a tough stretch this year. We know that. And 
Um, just had to make the decision to, to put Andy back in there. 47% completion rate, two touchdowns, two interceptions, yeah. and a scoop and score fumble. Um, this for I Ryan, think, yeah. yeah, for Ryan Finley, Andy Dalton, 60% to play the Jets on Sunday. Jets are getting it going a little yeah, bit they too. Well, a big win over the Raiders. Ooh. Yeah, I mean that that was, but nothing surprised. I should say one of those NFL. Said that, where yeah. does that come from? Where games, does that? Yeah, which happens. You know, 10 I, times. A I year. think the biggest change in Zach, who I I like, I really like, and Zach, you know, had the magical touch from the Sean McVay thing, and you know, we all get that, and you know, the Rams are struggling offensively this year. And, 0-11, I think Zach wants to win a game, and he's absolutely right that Andy Dalton does give him the best chance to win a game. He, he tried to switch it up and maybe get a spark with a rookie quarterback. That rarely works. It didn't work here. And I'm going to give credit back to Andy Dalton because we addressed this on Monday. Nobody would blame Andy Dalton saying, mm, you know, I gotta, I'm not going to be here. I'm up for contract. But Andy Dalton is Andy Dalton, and that's a he's a great guy, and he's a leader, and he's a football player. And the mm -hmm. coach tells him he's going to play, he's going to play, and he'll do his very best to hopefully get the Bengals uh, their first win of the season. I hope they get a win. I, I just, you know, I take it, it seems to me, and I've learned this. Um, whether you're, I go to the Giants who are struggling mightily, right? Mm -hmm. You look you have at the, them Sunday, right? Yeah, Giants, Giants and Packers who got their rear ends whooped Ooh, by Forty Niners. So that should it should be an interesting game, and uh, I it's been my experience that good teams never play two bad games in a row. So I don't expect the Packers to play poorly, but we'll see what happens because it's the NFL. But I guess my my point is, you know, the fan bases are so passionate in the NFL. We think that I mean, college football fan bases are really passionate. They are. The NFL fan base, <laughs> it is brutal, man. Yeah, it is, and. I've ne I maybe I just was naive or I, I didn't notice this my first three years doing the NFL. I know I, did, I really didn't notice it when I was playing because I was only in one city. But every city I go to and every team that's struggling, we need to fire everybody and cut everybody. My, you my, talk about that about Detroit or Cincinnati or or um, you know I read uh, articles on my brother Rick in Minnesota. You know they want to they want to fire him and Zim, then they want to hail him the greatest ever. You know so it's just. That's part of the gig, and that's what you sign up to do. The difference that I noticed doing uh, radio in Columbus for an extended period of time. Yes, this is great. And Go doing ahead. radio in Cleveland, a pro town, which still has a bent for Ohio State, but a, but a bent for, for the Browns is every day on our show. This is no kid. We started with, what's our Browns topic today? Every day, 365. That's yeah. how the Browns own the town. Okay, so what I would say my experience has been is that in college football – 80% of the fan base is supportive and with you and wants to believe the best of what you're doing. That's in, that's great analogy. Or and great in the NFL, observation. so 20% in college is like, ah, this guy, get rid of him. Yeah. Uh, in the NFL, flip it around. 20% <laughs> is with you no matter what. They'll buy whatever you tell them. 80% are like... Uh-uh. Uh, yeah, it's unbelievable. It's, 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 it's 80-20. It's the same ratio. It's just up on its head. Why do you think that is? I have a theory, but I'm just well, curious. Well, I you. think some of it is there's a, a a respect, a reticence to criticize college kids. Yeah. And in the NFL, it's like he's making what? Yeah. Huh? That's the he's that's driving the number, what? That's he's the a, number one go to, isn't it? Yep. Yep. Well, I I think uh, it, or in the NFL too. You know, there are Ohio states. New England is Ohio State, but 
every year, I think this is true. Uh, it's If it's not true, it's real close to being true. There's four to five new playoff teams every year. Yeah. Sustained suckitude. There's no excuse for it I agree. in the NFL. What what would be your definition of sustained suckitude? Uh, well, five Browns, years or yeah, I think if you don't get in the playoffs in five years, it's that's really bad. Yeah, I was going to say probably like th- three. You're contending in three. You better be in every five. I think in Rick's tenure at Minnesota, I I think they've gone their streak of not making the playoffs. I think has been one. Yeah, because at, at Ohio State, Alabama, Michigan, whatever, you have enormous advantages over teams in your own league. Rutgers is Rutgers is in Ohio State's conference. That's true. They're not yeah. in Ohio State's league. Right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, finances, resources, everything. Sure. In the NFL, it's all even. That's Nick what, Saban was was asked one time in a rare moment of complete honesty, why, <laughs> why is it rare? Why? Well, because I think he doesn't want to open the window too much right. on his secret sauce. Why? Why do you find what you do to work better in college than in the NFL? And he said, in the NFL, you can't outwork anybody. That's true. And in college, you can outwork people, and you can take advantage of the resources you have. Yeah, you're you're right. A tremendous resources. How's Vanderbilt going to beat Alabama? Never. How's right? Seriously, you That's should hope to win. NFL, though, you should it? hope to win a. Uh, you should hope to have a life long enough to see Rutgers win the Big Ten East. <laughs> That ain't going to happen, dude. I mean, you'd be Methuselah. They could play forever. <laughs> They're not beating Penn State, Michigan State, Michigan, and Ohio State. It's not happening. I think another reason why the, the the passion, I guess, for lack of a better term, for the fan base and when a team loses or their love when a team wins is that they feel like they have ownership in that team for some reason. Whether It is a we, it is a more universal reflection of the city in the NFL. Right. Even in even in Columbus, the most rabid fan base in America, there are people, and I don't know what the percentage is, but it's probably thirty percent who, on a Saturday, their life isn't Buckeye football. Yeah, there, it just that'd be isn't. interesting to find out what that percentage actually is. Yeah. So. so, but in the NFL, I mean, when the Cavs won the title, it's like it's a it, the city just you know went nuts. The parade for that is is just absolutely crazy. Uh, so there we are. Uh, we hope you will send us an email. Let us know your thoughts on the show uh, and questions that you have. We uh, love to respond to whatever you're interested in. This uh, email to Podcast at gmail.com comes from Eric in Houston, Texas. He says, hey, guys, with Ryan Day, and then in air quotes, flinching in his play calling versus Penn State, running the quarterback more than ever, What's your level of trust on a percentage scale in him to manage the clock, play calling, and team morale if Ohio State finds themselves down in the fourth quarter of a game? He hasn't had to manage the clock along with everything else as a head coach yet. I worry about his execution down the stretch after he went urban-esque by lightening up against the best competition of the year to this point. I feel like his play calling is very connected to team morale. As he went vanilla, the team lost its edge and became afraid to make mistakes, which led to more mistakes. It's very nitpicky to bring... It into question, but with recent accolades from Bruce on the coaching, yes, I'm curious to hear what you guys think about Day in crunch time. I don't think he went vanilla. I think he did what he had to do to win the game. And in, in, in the, the the pass to, to KJ Hill and the pass to Olave, 
on those calls. Mm-hmm. I think the defense was very aggressive. You're allowed to be aggressive when you have Chase Young. The other beauty of Ohio State is, like the San Francisco 49ers, they keep more guys in coverage, seven, where they don't need to rely on bringing five or more for pressure. Uh, I don't think the moment's too big for Ryan Day whatsoever. I think he has a plan, and I think this was part of the plan all along. You're you're not going to have to run Justin Fields against Miami or, or UC or whatever other Florida Atlantic. He doesn't need to run the ball. I knew that this time was going to come. And it's come now, and it puts so much pressure on the defense. And the last thing Don Brown wanted to see up at Michigan is, oh, man. They're and running the quarterback. They're, they're running the quarterback yeah. because that just puts more pressure and preparation on yeah. a defense. So yeah. he's I don't take think a guy he went all urban-esque. I think Field. what he's doing is saying, okay, now this is coming for you. Yeah. What are you going to do? And if you load up to do this, we're going to do this. And he's proven to be able to counterpunch pretty well, in my opinion. Uh, my level of trust in him, as it is in um, most people, is pretty strong until he gives me a reason not to, and he's not giving me a reason not to. But, Eric, your question came up yesterday at Ryan Day's press conference. Um, I'm not, I think Austin Ward of Letterman Row asked the question. If not, I apologize, but pretty sure it was. Uh, here was the question. Coming out of the Penn State game, you said in the second half when things were kind of going south uh, that you weren't as aggressive as you normally are. In hindsight, do you think that was the right thing? Uh, does it tell us anything about what you might do this week, knowing it's probably going to be a close game in a tough situation? Yeah, let me tell you what we're all going to do this week. Ryan really. said, no, it doesn't change anything. Here's the money part of the quote. I think absolutely it was the right thing to do at the time. We won the game. You do everything you can to win the game. We're aggressive. We will always be aggressive, and we are going to be aggressive. I just think you adjust play calling after every series and saying what's working and what can we do to hold on to this ball and – what gives us the best chance to win? And the one thing is, okay, when you throw the ball, there's a chance of a turnover or, or something like that. Now, I'm, But, again, there's times to take your shots, and he has a pretty good natural instinct and feel for that. Well, he said, I have faith in the defense. I thought the defense was playing really well, and so they put the one more score up, and then it was like, well, we're going to run it. So what, I mean, that's the luxury that he has is he has a defense that, okay, if we're struggling a little bit or have two or three bad series in a row – at least we can count on our defense to create a turnover or create field position. Let me just bring up one little nagging thing that I have on the game Saturday. Justin Fields, we know, had some kind of a left-hand thing, right? Like his left hand was hurt in the game, and and then he had the ankle thing. And he hopped right up, you know, after he was down for a while, he hopped right up, he ran off the field. Uh, Justin Fields did not appear at the post game. He did not appear yesterday. At Ohio State, I don't. I'm not trying to ring an alarm bell. I'm just saying there are there are some other guys who covered the team who said yesterday, "Are we sure he's a hundred percent or he's okay to play?" Um, I would assume he is, but I just want to throw that out there in case something develops later on. That you know, I have no idea. Yeah, no, we don't have any idea because they do a good job, and as they should do a good job of keeping things buttoned up. What just, are you saying? I'm just saying. They are doing a good job, and they should do a good job of keeping things buttoned up. Well, from three their, years ago, from their you would have been. This is ridiculous. No, from their perspective, okay. they should do a but good job. But you didn't say it. I don't. From it's not good there. for me. <laughs> One of the funniest things they always say, you know, they they'll they'll make a comment like they'll say, 
you know, you guys watch practice. And we're like, no, we don't watch practice. You don't let us watch practice. Or you guys see in the, yesterday it was like, well, what do you do all year long to emphasize the Michigan game? Well, you know, you guys in the facility, you see this and this. No, we don't. We're not allowed anywhere except our one little hallway twice a week to go into the meeting room. (laughs) Don't act like we have access. We have no access. Uh, Uh, So that's a. We'll see. I, I mean, I'm sure there'll be some report coming out soon. I wouldn't bet on it. I okay. wouldn't bet on it because they do a nice as they job should. tightening everything up. Right, as, yeah. as they should. As they should to themselves, but not <laughs> to us. That's now, here's something. what you here's said. Some, I know it is. I'm, I'm really ashamed of myself. <laughs> Man, I'm not Catholic, but I may go to confession for that. All right. Uh, here's something we should and we will be pounding over the next month. We have an awesome prize to give away. We do? We do. Premier at Sawmill Athletic Club, right there in your neighborhood, sir, but you are ineligible to win this, is giving away to Spielman and Hooley podcast listeners, one fortunate listener, a couple's membership for an so entire year. So that would be year. two then, correct? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Husband and wife, wife and, you know, boyfriend, boyfriend and girlfriend. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, yeah, a couple's membership for a year. Wow. Now, uh you can only enter by sending, you know, your entry to, you can go to the Spielman Hooley, SpielmanandHooley.com, and you'll see easy to enter. Just enter your email address and you're entered. And we'll draw it uh, in early January. I'm excited for that. They have an indoor pool. They have an outdoor pool. They have spin classes, yoga classes, strength training classes. They have free weights. They have machines. They have all the ladies. They have treadmills. They have steppers. They have everything. They have child care. They have child care. You say, well, I'm a mom. I can't. I you know, got to find a baby. No, no excuses. You got two hours of childcare right there every day while you work out, and it's up, you know, up to like high school age. Is that your still? Got, is that still your preferred place of training? It is one of my preferred places of training. Are you going to that offer, and the lovely Kinsale uh, Golf and Fitness? Club are you going to offer personal training sessions to this? No, lucky but I will couple? guarantee that you'll see me sweating <laughs> like a pig in there from time to time. We we want to encourage people to sign up, not that's, deter them. That's the only way to lose weight, people. <laughs> Eat less, sweat more. It's the only way. So, yeah, go to SpielmanandHooley.com and enter. And we want to thank Premier at Sawmill Athletic Club. And, by the way, if you say, well, that's great, but, uh, you know, if mom and dad go swim, the kids are going to stage a mutiny. They'll allow you to add the kids onto the membership at whatever the – difference in the cost is but you won't pay for the couples part of it because that's yeah. mom and dad are already taken care of thanks to uh good deal our friend jim miller and our friend regan coivistu and the whole team uh premier at sawmill is part of uh the uh, marquee group with kinsale golf and fitness club and Scioto reserve golf club two phenomenal golf courses so uh yeah enter via email looking forward to all of that okay browns and steelers on uh sunday why don't we save that for friday okay yeah We'll do that because there's all kinds of intrigue around that. And D. Haslam wearing a hat with Miles Garrett's number on it. We'll get into all that. Um, talk more about Ohio State and Michigan, of course. Uh, you're getting your phone out, which tells me you have something you'd like to share from a faith perspective. I do. And um, this isn't an encouragement thing for those of you that are just starting your faith journey or young in your in your belief. Um, thinking back to when I was a kid, even in high school, even in college, and even as an NFL player. I always used to ask for everything to be perfect and right and that every blessing would come my way. And I got a lot of them, but I never always thought I would be protected from life, the challenges and troubles. 
of life. Mm-hmm. And obviously, your experiences as you get older tell you that that's not always going to be the case. Yeah. So I came across this very simple prayer, and I thought it was, and it's been said a number of different ways, but I just want to encourage people that when things aren't going your way or there's a big challenge in your life, whether something happens to one of your children, whether it's a health challenge, whether you're facing a challenge, whether it's loss of a job or unemployment, whatever challenge you're facing, and the simple prayer is this, dear God, I don't ask you to make my life easier, but I ask you just to give me the strength to face all of my trouble. And I never counted on that. And I think sometimes people that are young in their faith can get very frustrated when they get beat up and beat up and beat up and they're looking around. And this is all throughout the characters of the Bible through most of them. Where are you? Yep. What, enough. I got a message here. Where are you? And I think we have to not maybe always look for, you know, peace and harmony in our life all the time. It's not going to happen. That's not a realistic view. But I can promise you this, that that God will give you the strength to endure and get through it. And you have to ask for that, just like you have to ask for anything. So my encouragement is to you is that uh, the bad news is there's trouble coming. Yep. That's just the way it is. There's trouble coming. The good news for you is I promise through God's promise that you will be given the strength to endure those troubles. Yeah, and if you'd say, as I would imagine some people might say, it's a very logical response, well then what in the world is uh, the benefit of uh, of coming to Christ if uh, trouble's going to come or if, if I'm not going to have a smooth and easy path? Well, um, you want God walking with you. God, look at it from God's perspective. What does he want? He wants a relationship with you in my life. I can only speak for me, but I think this is common of a lot of people. When I'm on the prosperity road and everything is great, I tend to get lazy in my spiritual connection and my spiritual devotion, my spiritual investment. And so God says, hey, I miss you, Bruce. I want you back. So how can he get me back? Well, he can allow something in my life to get my attention. And then it drives me back to him. And, you know, honestly, that is not a trade that I would nullify if I could. People say, well, you know, why would you want that adversity? Because the relationship is, when the relationship is better, Everything in my life that matters the most is better. I'll just give you an example. Um, we lost our jobs at the zone in February. You know, Chris is uh, in a good situation because he's got Fox. I'm not in as good situation. I don't have something that's fallen back. So I was thinking the other day, somebody asked me a question, how's God revealed himself to you in the last three months? And I thought, you know, uh, when I lost my job at the zone, it shook my world and I decided, okay, there's two things I can control. I can control my physical condition, and I can control my spiritual condition. And so I reached out to God, and I reordered my eating habits and my exercise habits. Now that I'm beyond that period of time, I look at uh, my marriage, my relationship with my daughters, my spiritual situation, my relationship with my friends. All of that is way better, way better than it was before. The only thing that's not better is my financial situation. Now, if you'd have come to me in February and said, hey, Bruce, um, you can trade financial stability for 
a better situation in all these other areas of the of your life that you're praying about, that you're wanting to get better. You can trade financial stability for uh, all those other situations getting better. Would you make that trade? And I'd have said yes, a hundred times out of a hundred, I'd have mm-hmm. made that trade. So did the you know is the adversity a bad thing? No, it's not. It's not a bad thing because it's ended up benefiting me in so many other ways that I couldn't buy. Even if my financial situation soared into the stratosphere and I became a millionaire overnight or something, I couldn't buy that. Well, it's benefited you because you understood how to respond to that adversity. And that's, I think, the message or the big takeaway today is for our listeners to respond to adversity by not running away from God or raising your fist to the heavens in anger and say, why, why, why? Yeah. And say, okay, what, what, how can you strengthen me here? What can I do? What can I, where can I refocus? And so your response to the situation was godly. I think the response that a lot of us have, and I'm guilty of in, in my past, is the anger and frustration and, you know, stop picking on me type of thing. Hmm. So I just want to encourage folks that just ask for strength and you'll, you'll, you'll be fine. You'll get through it. You'll get through anything. And we're both living proof of that sitting here talking to you right now. Yeah. I mean, I was, as if you think of God as a football player, God doesn't break tackles. Like if you try to tackle God, he's going to let you tackle him because he wants that contact. Yeah. He wants that contact. Wow. Look at that analogy, bringing it yeah. all back to football. Yeah. That's, I don't know if I should take that as an insult or. No, that's your, uh, <laughs> that's your very excellent influence on me. <laughs> Absolutely right. All right. So, uh, Thanksgiving plans for uh, Mr. Spielman before we uh, exit? Uh, yeah, tomorrow morning, 8 a.m., family boot camp mm-hmm. in the Spielman weight room. Uh, all members of the family are required to attend or they don't eat. There we go. Fantastic. And then you're <laughs> off breakfast, to... breakfast, uh, and I'm off to New York NYC. tomorrow afternoon. Excellent. Yeah, so we're looking forward to uh, all of that, and uh, we uh, certainly hope you all have a great Thanksgiving. And we will talk to you Friday about uh, Brown Steelers and should the NFL step in. Should the Browns wear number 95 on their shoes or anything like that? Have a great Thanksgiving.